resurrection of the body, the judgment of believers, the rapture, the age of the Antichrist. And I got to confess today, I was going through my new Bible and I found a whole other section on the last days of history. I thought, well, I wonder if mine has that. And it's there, I've never seen it. You know, it's, it's between Jude and Revelation. And there's like five pages detailing all the events and so. But all those articles, I put page numbers on the full life study Bible, but I'm telling you that the new Bible is different in page numbers. So if I say turn to page 1844, if you have the Fire Bible, it's, it's a different page. So, uh, but that is, they're back there for you. Uh, look those things up. I love this Bible because, first of all, Don Stamps, an Assembly God missionary, gives us a lot of the cross-references and the details behind the little blurbs and everything else, you know, kind of his sermon notes, if you will. But uh, I like it because it's Pentecostal in, in doctrine and nature. I mean, believing in the Holy Spirit and and not dumbing it down, saying, well, that was for the beginning of the church. It's not for today. Yes, it is for today. So that, those articles are listed for you in that Bible. Um, I'm a proponent of that study Bible. It's my favorite one. I started out when I first got saved uh, with the Dakes Annotated Bible. When I first got saved, I thought it was Dakes Anointed Bible. I thought that's good enough for me. Then I discovered it's annotated, but, but uh, uh, that one's all marked up and everything else, but then gone, gone to this one. And so we are tonight, I said all that just to say, we are tonight going to be shifting directions a little bit. We're going to begin a new section in Revelation. Uh, one, chapter 1 is more the introduction, 2 and 3, the letters of Jesus to the churches. And then chapters 4 and 5 talks about the throne and worship. And then 6 through, I think it is 18, is it? Uh, 6 through 18 talks about the tribulation. And so we're going to begin to get into this a little deeper uh, starting tonight and then the weeks that, that follow. Uh, I do not know if we'll get done with this book of the Bible by the end of May when we take our summer break, but if we don't, we'll pick it up in September. Um, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I would like to get it done this, this spring. Uh, but uh, tonight we're going to start really in only verse 1 of that. And what I want to do is, uh, on, on your outline, I said this last week, and I was successful in, in, in being able to record the Joel Rosenberg uh, uh, show. This was from a week and a half ago, two, two Thursdays ago. If you, have, uh, if you can get TBN, Joel Rosenberg started a new program just last few months, and it's on TBN on Thursday evenings. Check them out. I've been, I've been reading his stuff. Go ahead. He's on too. Is he on Saturdays yeah. too? And on Saturdays. The first, the first airing is on Thursday. That's when I record it. It's also on Saturday. I still, confession, I still record the Huckabee Show every week because it's good variety and he has great speakers on it. And always, it's a, a Christian in nature kind of, uh, not always, not when Ted Nugent's on it or, or uh, Meatloaf year, last fall and he passed away in January of last year. But anyway, um, uh, Joel Rosenberg, I've been reading for 15 plus years, his articles, I got, I got a few of his books, and when I first came across this guy, I thought, this guy has some inside information, it seems like, on Israel, the Middle East, and I've always liked, liked that about him, and, and I could trust him more than I could a lot of the other stuff out there, but I was able to record that. And so with that, we're going to watch about a 15-minute video, not yet, Lauren, but I have a few questions. Uh, and if you watch the program, don't answer, please, because you'll know the answers of these. But how, first question, how many Americans would you say believe that we are living in the end times? Give me a percentage. 
Huh? 70%. Okay, give me another one. 35. 35. 30, okay. 33 or 3%? 3, okay. Five. Well, we're gonna, you're going to be surprised at some of the things he shares. Even how many Republicans believe in the end times and is Jesus Christ coming back in our time, uh, as well as Democrats, and then some of the different demographics as well. It's very interesting, I thought. Um, the answer is 39%. 39% of Americans believe that we are living in the end times. Uh, that is uh, 103 million Americans. A recent Pew study report uh, just brought that out. And uh, of that number, then 63% of evangelicals believe in that we are living in the end times. And that means uh, 37% um, don't believe that or don't adhere to that. Um, two questions down then. Do you, believe, do you believe that we're living in what the Bible calls the end of days? Do you believe that? And why do you believe that? And we're going to go into it in the video a little bit, but... If, do, you believe, do you believe that, first of all? Yes. So you're, you're in good company. You should. <laughs> and then why do you believe that? Okay. So comparing what was bad in the 50s, comparing with what is now, it's been progressing. So yes. Crystal. Okay. All right. So based on what the Word of God says and the signs that you're seeing, the things that you're seeing happening, anyone else want to throw in their two cents worth here? Daniel? Okay. Morality, wars, rumor of wars, earthquakes. I was reading it, and I don't have the exact, the exact quote on this. Um, I preached on a series on this back in the 11, 2011, and back then I was looking at some of my old notes preparing for tonight. And, and, I mean, like years ago, you heard about earthquakes, but how that has exponentially increased even in the last 30, 40, 50 years compared to what it was 100 years ago or 150 years ago when they started keeping records in this kind of thing. And, and we, so we have some of the signs that Joel will get into as well. Um, uh, and, and the signs, which kind of is the next question, why, and he's going to answer this, why do so many Americans believe that we are now living in the end times? And then the last question on that before I get into this, in light of Christ's return, how should we be living our lives? Because I'm thinking, okay, if, if 39% of Americans believe we're in the end times, living in the end times, how should we be living our lives? Because honestly, in America, church attendance has gone down in the last 5, 10 years. And, and yet, if we really believed that, um, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as you see the day approaching, Hebrews 10.25. And so people might say they believe in that, but are they living it? Are they, are, are they in the house of God? Are they studying? Are they preparing? Are, are they prepared? I don't know all that, but uh, how should we be living our lives in light of the return of Jesus Christ? Ready. Living ready? Okay. So living rapture ready. All right. Elvin. Being obedient to the word, to, to what the Bible says. Okay, good. Being set apart unto him and from the world. 
All right, good. Good. Be watching. Good. We're going to talk about that in detail tonight. Always be watching. We don't know the hour, okay? So be watching. And so that's all part of that. Um, Last week on Saturday on the Huckabee Show, uh, he had Kevin Sorbo on, and there's a new movie on uh, Left Behind and the Rise, I think it's called The Rise of the Antichrist, and they showed a little video of that. And the the premise of the new movie coming out, and I've always liked Kevin Sorbo where he stood, you know, and trying to bring light to Hollywood. (laughs) And uh, in the movie, the clip they showed was in a church, and the pastor was left behind. He wasn't ready to meet Jesus. And, and that's going to be a reality. Now, now when I, I want to ask you this. When you think about the rapture, when you think about the second coming, does that bring fear and anxiety to you, or does it bring hope to you? It should bring hope. Yeah, it should bring hope to your heart. Uh, and so it's nothing we, we should be anxious about. Uh, I think the first Left Behind movie was 1972. You've seen some of the old ones, whatever. And I know a lot of people like, oh, no, and it put, put kind of a fear in people's lives. And if you're not ready, it should, you know, you, you need to be ready. But uh, um, so with all that being said, are you ready back there? We're going to watch and make sure the volume's up nice and loud. I had it set. Go ahead and watch. It's like right at 15 minutes. I edited the commercials out, and like there's about 10 seconds at the end. When it goes into a different segment, it cuts off there. So go ahead, Lauren. Thank you. All right. So what'd you get out of that? I've watched it about a half a dozen times now. Surprise? How so? Yeah. Good. So surprise. Uh, don't know if they're ready or not, but they believe it's going to happen. What else? What'd you get out of that? Any, any? I think they seem like a popular, uh, I think they'll be ready, but they also believe, believe that Jesus is actually still waiting for him to come. Okay, people are waiting for him to come? All right, surprise. I'm shocked at how low the numbers are. You're shocked at how low the numbers are, okay. How come? 92% of the evangelicals consider, <laughs> hello, I mean, <laughs> Well, there's a lot of evangelicals that no longer believe in hell that, I mean, it's been dumbed down. Um, I, the one, one of the things that I guess got me was uh, him mentioning how churches aren't teaching on this anymore. That was like, okay, I've always taught the Blessed Hope, and I've done series on this, and I want to do it again, and Revelation's been taught at least twice uh, here, and this is the third time, and so... Um, but it also, I think, gives us all, the, the church, an opportunity to talk to people as you, as you live your lives, as you see events unfolding before you. I remember during the Gulf War, uh, early 90s, and I remember, um, like, okay, is this it? You know, just thinking that because of the turmoil and everything else. I remember talking to people about their salvation and if they're ready or not, and even talking to my dad, who was alive at that time, you know, about that, and even aunts and uncles and stuff. But... But uh, it gives, I think, the church great opportunity to witness, to share, to share the hope that we have. You know, we don't have to live in bondage or fear or, or whatever. We can be ready. You know, rapture, we can be rapture ready, so to speak. And so um, there's, there's that as well. Anyone else? Comments? Rebecca?
Okay. Yeah, and, and what you're saying is, I'm, I'm the same, I'm with you there because if, like, if, if those even in our political parties in the leadership really, be, really believed it, uh, and if they really stood, they're going to, if they really understood, they're going to stand before God and give an account for every vote. I mean, I'm just reading stuff even today from Dr. Michael Brown. Um, I'm kind of reaching out a little bit of, of expanding the Facebook thing, and uh, I finally included him back in my, my feed, but reading an article by him uh, on, on even with the uh, abortion issues that going on right now and stuff, and, and what some of the uh, opposition to some of the, some of the legislation in Washington is like, okay, if, if you don't want to let a baby who's was going to be aborted that lived go to a hospital. You're voting against that. You know, some of the powers that be. And I was like, if you really, why are you for death? You know, and, and so don't you understand you're going to be before God one day? And it's, if, if, you, if this is all true, then it's going to be soon. I mean, what people believe at least. And, and I thought, okay, um, once again, maybe believing a doctrine, believing in the second coming of Christ and, and end days, but has that uh, belief hit your heart in the way you're living, in the way you're legislating or whatever? You know, because knowing this ought to affect the way we live our lives. The, you know, the Bible says if you have this hope in you, you purify yourselves. It's, it's like even as he is pure and, and looking, looking forward to that. And so um, I just thought it was very interesting, both sides of the, of, of the equation here, and just seeing how many people do believe, but... Uh, and I, I'll go back to what I said before. When I first got saved, that back in the in the early '80s, I thought he was coming back then, you know. And, and uh, so, um, hopefully, it just kind of stirs you up a little bit, and you see this, and it's like, okay, I need to be more vocal in my witnessing. I need to be more vocal in sharing my faith or whatever it might be, because y'all got family. We all got family that's, that's not ready, you know. And uh, so tonight, we're going to shift gears, flip paper over back side of your outline we're going to talk about the open door in heaven revelation chapter 4 verse 1 uh, after this i looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice i had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said come up here and i will show you what must take place after this as i said we're going into a different uh venue kind of a different theme uh, worship is the theme of this chapter chapters 4 and 5 actually uh, worship is not part of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. And let me add that worship is eternal. And so we're going to walk you through today looking at uh, six things that support the pre-trib rapture view. Basically, there's pre-trib, there's mid-trib, and post-trib. Pre-trib believes that the church is going to be raptured up before the tribulation. The tribulation is the 70th week divided into then uh, seven years, the second half of the tribulation, uh, when things get dicey, dicier, is called the Great Tribulation. Uh, so, and some people believe that the mid-tribbers believe after three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week, that's when the church is going to get raptured up, or the coming coming of Christ is going to be. And some believe post-trib at the end of it all, and that the church goes through all this. And so, I want to walk you through tonight, uh, basically what 
what we believe and what we teach, preach, whatever, and I'll give you some reasons for that. There's also a chart I added bottom of your paper there. We'll get into this later on as well when we cover some of Daniel's teaching along these lines too. But first of all, number one, God has not appointed us to wrath but unto salvation. Uh, there are three kinds of wrath. The wrath of God, the wrath of Satan, the wrath of man. Christians deal with two of those, the wrath of Satan and the wrath of man. Uh, the wrath of God is stored up for sinners, all right, for not, not for saints, not for the church. And so God's wrath is for his enemies, not his children. Uh, but even now the wrath of God abides on sinners. And uh, we have the tribulation of, of Revelation 6 through 18 that we'll get to. But it's especially a time of the great wrath of God. Let me read to you some scriptures. Uh, not on your outline, but you've taken notes. Just write this down. Revelation 6, 16 and 17. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Revelation 6, 16 and 17. Revelation 11, verse 18. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. And then Revelation 14, 18 through 20, take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city and the blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles. And then Revelation 15, verse 1, I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last because with them God's wrath is completed. See, these verses simply show us that the tribulation is a time of God's wrath. Now, besides these verses, there are other plagues mentioned that we'll get into in the seals, the trumpets, and the bulls, and they show us as well the wrath of God. We're going to get to all that as we walk through this. Uh, but God has promised to keep us from His wrath. Now, there are several verses in scriptures that show that believers are delivered from God's wrath. Ephesians 2, 3 through 6 it says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, now notice the tense here, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We also have uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. And then Romans chapter 5, verse 9, 9 and 10 actually. Since we have been now justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him, through Christ? For if, we were, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Now, these are verses that show that, that God delivers believers from his wrath, but some verses seem to emphasize that we will be delivered from the future wrath of the tribulation. For example, notice the following verse in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. It encourages us to wait 
for Jesus to come and deliver us from future wrath. It says, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Who rescues us from the coming wrath. Likewise, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10 seem to contrast salvation and the rapture with those suffering God's wrath. Now, the, the, the theme of the Antichrist, or the time of the Antichrist, is a big theme in 2 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10 says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, whether we are awake or asleep, we, so we may live together with him. And so, first point is, God has not appointed his church to wrath, but to salvation. Number one. Number two. God has promised to keep us from the hour of trial that will come on the whole earth. It says this in Revelation 3.10, you recall, to the church in Philadelphia. Since you have kept my command, my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Now, I know some today will write and some commentators will say, well, God's going to leave the church on earth, but he'll protect the church through the tribulation. And they remind us that Jesus did not pray for the Father to take believers out of the world. He prayed for God to protect them from the evil one, John 17, 15. However, these post-trib people confuse us. They say that believers will be protected from God's wrath, but murdered by the Antichrist. I mean, God's going to protect you from his wrath, but the Antichrist is going to take you out. No, uh, most, most believers would choose to be in the Lord's hands rather than the hands of the enemy. There's also a notation here in the Full Life Study Bible of chapter 3, uh, Revelation 3.10, the hour of trial. I was going to read this to you. I had fun today studying. Christ's promise to keep the faithful in Philadelphia from the hour of trial, trial is identical to Paul's promise to the Thessalonians that they would be rescued from the, the, the coming wrath, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. It extends to all of God's faithful through the ages. This, includes, uh, this, this hour includes the divinely appointed time of trial, wrath and distress that will come on the whole world in the last days of this age just prior to the establishment of Christ's kingdom on earth. Concerning this time, the Bible reveals the following truths. First of all, this time of trial involves God's wrath on the ungodly. And there's an article that says, see the article on the Great Tribulation. Number two, it also includes in this time of trial, however, is Satan's wrath on the, on the godly, on, on those accepting Christ during this terrible time. In other words, there's going to be people coming to Christ during the tribulation time. And specifically, we'll get into the Jews and how God wants the Jews and will, will cause many Jews to come to know Christ. Um, and so there's going to be, we'll get into that as we, as we move into chapter 6 and such. But for them, there will be hunger, thirst, exposure to elements and great suffering and tears. They will experience indirectly uh, the natural catastrophes of war, famine, and death. They will be persecuted, tortured, and many will suffer martyrdom. 
Uh, they, they're called the tribulation saints. We'll get into that later on as well. Uh, they will undergo the ravages of Satan and demonic forces, evil and violence from wicked people, and persecution by the Antichrist. They will suffer loss of home and will need to flee in fear. It will be an especially disastrous time for those with families and children, so terrible that the tribulation saints who die are counted blessed, for they rest from their labor and are free from persecution." Thirdly, for those who are overcomers before that day arrives, God will keep them from the hour of trial, most likely through the rapture, the catching up of the faithful to meet Christ in the air before God pours out his wrath. And this deliverance is a reward for those who have persevered in keeping God's word and true faith. And then finally, fourthly, present-day believers who hope to escape all these things that are going to come on the world will do so only by faithfulness to Christ and his word and by constant vigilance and prayer so that they will not be deceived. And so that's just a note in the Full Life Study Bible, Fire Bible. Uh, number one, God has not appointed us for us. Number two, God has kept, promised to keep us from the hour of trial. Now, uh, the Bible does have a promise that, that Jesus will take believers out of the world. Uh, we believe that God will fulfill this promise before the tribulation. Uh, we have the First Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18 passage. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Don't be discouraged. Encourage one another. And so that is also there for you. Uh, those who take the post-trib view also remind us, though, of Egypt. There the plagues hurt the Egyptians, but not the Israelites. You recall that. But God did but, but did God protect the Israelites from the plagues and allow the Egyptians to murder them? We agree that God is able to protect his children in the midst of trials. God is able to do more than we ask or think. He even protected a few in the midst of the fiery furnace, you recall. But the promise in Revelation 3.10 not to, not to keep us through the tribulation. He promises to keep us from the testing. The Greek word is ek. Or, yeah, ek ek. It means out of or from. And it seems to point to a rapture. John could have used the Greek word dia, dia, which means through. But this this would have made it very cheery, very clear. The church would go through the tribulation. Instead, he said that God would keep us out or, or out of it or from it. In John 17 verse 15, back to that, Jesus did not pray to take believers out of ek of the world, but he did promise to keep believers out of E.K., the tribulation. We believe that the Holy Spirit guided John and even the words, the specific words that John was to write. We believe that God will also keep the church from the tribulation and out of it. Therefore, it points to a pre-tribulation rapture. Furthermore, God has promised to keep us from the hour of trial. In other words, he will keep us from the time of tribulation. Point number two. Point number three. The tribulation is a time of Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble. Once again, Jeremiah referred to the tribulation as a time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah 35 through 7. This is what the Lord says. 
Cries of fear are heard, terror, not peace. Ask and see, can a man bear children? Well, today they would say they can, but they can't, all right? I read that, I'm thinking, okay, this is today's society. But then why do I see every strong man with his hands on his stomach like a woman in labor, every face turned deathly pale? How awful that day will be. None will be like it. It'll be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he'll be saved out of it. Now, uh, Daniel referred to the tribulation as the 70th week for the Israelites. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 says, uh, excuse me, Daniel 9, 24 says, 77s are decreed for your people and for your holy city. And then Daniel 12, 1 says, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Now, we're going to study Daniel's 77s later. There's a chart on the bottom of your paper there, uh, but, but he prophesied about 70 weeks for his people, the Jews. Now, if you look at that chart, uh, note here that the church did not begin until after the first 69 weeks. Thus, the first 69 weeks were not for the church. Likewise, the 70th week is for the Jews, not the church. And so Revelation emphasizes that the Jews in the tribulation are the 70th week. There's an emphasis we'll get to, but there's an emphasis uh, of, on the 144,000 Jews. There's an emphasis of war between Satan and the Jews. And there's also going on here, the Antichrist makes and breaks a treaty with Israel during the tribulation. And then also, as I said, one of the main purposes of the tribulation is to turn the Jews to Jesus. And then Zechariah 12.10 says, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one who grieves for a firstborn son. See, God opened, you recall, the eyes of Joseph's brothers uh, during the hard times in Egypt, Genesis 45, cross-reference. Likewise, God, by His Spirit, God's going to open up the eyes of the Jews in the Great Tribulation. Point number three. And then number four, the church, this is my big one here, the church is not mentioned one time during the tribulation of Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 18. The next we hear of the church is later on. Now, we've seen that Israel, that Israel is emphasized several times in the tribulation of Revelation, but the church is not referred to one time during those dark years. We do not see her until Revelation 19 at the wedding of the Lamb. Uh, we've studied in Revelation 2 and 3 the seven messages of Christ to the seven churches in Revelation uh, 1 through 3. We saw the promise of the open door to the Philadelphia church, Revelation 3, 8. God promised to keep them from the hour of trial. Then we came to the open door of Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And then it seems the church went through that door because John 
takes uh, two chapters to talk about the church, chapters 2 and 3, but suddenly John's focus shifts to heaven after this period of time, after the church. He says, I looked and there before me was a door standing open. And so John shifts from the churches all of a sudden talk about heaven and he begins to talk about, honestly, Daniel's 70th week. He does not refer to the church again until after the tribulation. Then the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. It certainly seems that the church is not on earth during the tribulation. There seems to be a strong contrast between those who live on earth during the tribulation and those in heaven, those whom he has kept from the hour of trial. Number four. Number five. There seems to be major differences between passages on the rapture and the second coming. Differences or contrasts. Let me just share with some of those with you. Uh, it's important, I think, to, to interpret the word of God correctly. So first of all, the rapture. The rapture is going to be secret. It's going to be private. First of all, Jesus comes for his saints. The second coming is not private. It is not secret. It's public. Jesus Christ comes with his saints. Rapture, he comes for his saints Second coming, he comes with his saints. Another point is Luke 17, 34, two people will be left in, in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. And then Revelation 1, 7, every, every eye will see him. Uh, another point, Jesus promises to deliver us from the hour of trial. Talked about that. He tells us to pray that we may be able to escape all these things. Luke 21, 36. However, that's the rapture, the second coming. He resurrects those who died in the tribulation, the tribulation saints. These were not delivered from the tribulation. They did not escape it. They died in it. All right, second coming. Uh, go back to the rapture, point number four, if you're taking notes. Believers are caught up to meet Jesus in the air before he comes to earth. My take on the main purpose of the rapture is to keep the saints, the people of God, from deception. The only way we're going to know it's him is when, as I say, is when this squatty body defies gravity and leaves this earth to meet him in the air. There's going to be no question because honestly, there's been people over the years that have had surgically implanted scars in their wrists, in their feet, in their side, uh, or whatever, and, and they say they're the Christ. And he says, hey, when people say that, don't believe them. You know, it's not true. And so how can we be sure that, that this is the true Christ? We meet him in the air, all right? Once again, um, it's going to be awesome, all right? Um, uh, second coming, he returns to earth to rule. We'll get into that in Revelation 19. Satan is thrown into the abyss for a thousand years. Then those who died for Christ in the tribulation are raised. Number five, no signs show the rapture, uh, show the rapture is near. We are only told to watch. You brought that up, Pastor Jim. We are to watch for the Lord over and over again. Watch, watch, watch. A second coming, many signs, and, and Joel Rosenberg talked about that. Many signs show his coming. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door, Jesus said. Number six, trials are not mentioned in passages on the rapture. The second coming is in the midst of the great tribulation. And then number seven, passages on the rapture clearly teach that the saints will rise to meet him. 
and then second coming. None of the passages on the second coming clearly refer to a rapture since it occurred years earlier. And then number eight, at the rapture, those still alive will be changed. No passages at this, on the second coming teach that living saints will be changed. Number nine, passages on the rapture clearly show that the dead in Christ will be raised on the second coming. Passages on the second coming do not clearly show the resurrection of the church. And then finally, number 10, no changes in the earth are linked with the rapture. However, second coming, there's passages on the second coming that teach that changes. There'll be changes in the earth. The Mount of Olives are going to be split. And, and even Ezekiel 40 through 48 assume some changes in the earth. Now, all that tells me that uh, the rapture and the second coming are different events. There's differences in them. And Jesus will come in two phases. First of all, he will come secretly for his saints before the tribulation. And second, he will come publicly with his saints to judge the earth after the tribulation. Point number five, and I know I got the 714. Uh, let me just finish this up in just a few minutes. Number six, the Bible teaches us to live expecting Jesus to return at any minute. Now, I know that people say, yeah, but church history says that, and they got this wrong in the 1800s. We can't base doctrine, except Book of Acts, but we can't base doctrine on church history and the mistakes that, that, that people have made in church history. I mean, one time the Pope is the Antichrist. I mean, you can go all kinds of things in church history. We must, we must base doctrine on what the Bible says and teaches. All right? And the Bible does not tell us to prepare for the tribulation, neither does it tell us to watch for the Antichrist. Each of these following verses teaches us the imminent, the any minute return of Christ. Matthew 25, 13, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. And then Mark 13, 37, But what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Luke 21, 36, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Romans 13, 11, and 12. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. And we also have 1 Corinthians 1, 7. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Not as you wait for the Antichrist, as you wait for Christ to be revealed. And then 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine. And what I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as though they had none. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. And then Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The tribulation will bring death to millions. Anyone who claims Christ will be a target. Anyone who claims Christ will be a target of the Antichrist. It will be almost impossible uh, to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Revelation 13. We'll get to that later on too. It's difficult, honestly, to see how Christians could live through those seven years. Now, most post-trib teachers say that God will not protect believers from the wrath of the Antichrist. 
Many Bible teachers think that those in the multitude of Revelation 7, 9 through 17, were martyred in the Great Tribulation. Here's the point, and I close with this. There is no reason to tell those who will die in the Tribulation to watch for Jesus after the Tribulation. You get that? Dead people cannot watch. If the church were to be slaughtered in the tribulation, God would have told them, prepare to die. But the scriptures do not warn us to prepare for the Antichrist to kill us. They tell us to watch for Jesus. Therefore, we conclude there are two stages of Christ's coming. First, Jesus will come to gather believers before the tribulation, all right, and then he will not return to earth at this time. We will meet him in the air. Second, after the tribulation, he will come to earth. At time, he will judge unbelievers. Scripture calls this judgment the day of the Lord, 2 Thessalonians 2, 2, 3 through 8. Now, here's my last, my last sentence. I'll close with this. The post-tribulation position does not retain the essential scriptural aspect of an imminent, unannounced rapture. Even if the rapture was mid-trib, you're, you got three and a half years to get ready. Or if it's post-trib, you got the beginning of the 70th week, you have seven years to prepare for it. Now, if there is the imminent return, could happen any moment kind of thing, wouldn't that be setting a time? Therefore, I submit to you that uh, we are, I am, pre-trib, uh, not mid, not post, but as I've said before in preaching, it really doesn't matter. Just continue to live your lives for Jesus. Continue to watch. And if you want to get a trampoline and do some practicing of jumping up and down, maybe you can meet him in the air when you're on your way up. I don't know. I just know that if that same resurrection power can raise Christ from the dead, he'll have no problem getting this squatty fat body off of planet Earth to meet him in the air. And I say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. So you got a chart there. We're, we're just starting to get into this, but just know that chapters 4 and 5 talks about the throne and heaven and worship. We're going to get more into chapter 4 next week, but then we'll get into the, uh, the tribulation part of it in chapters 6 through 18. All right. God bless you all. It's 719. If you have kids, Please go relieve the teachers, pick them up. God bless you all. This Sunday, this Sunday, be praying with me. God put in my heart last week to, to preach on divine healing. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I was like, God, what do I do? And, and I don't have a new series right now. It's like, okay, what am I preaching on? And, and uh, I just felt the Lord press my heart, preach on healing. And so we're preaching this, morning, this week, by, you know, Lord willing, preaching on God still heals today. And we're going to pray for people at the end and believe God. So come expecting, come believing, and, and receiving from the Lord this coming Sunday. God bless you all. Have a great night in Jesus. Amen.